morning everyone just driving away from the farm having spent a couple hours there bashing down goldenrod in some of the field margins at the edge uh, where I maintain my truck access these are the areas that aren't yet good grass and so it's not worth me mowing them early in the season because uh, they're not worth turning into hay so I do them once later in the season but it's uh, relatively light work to mow it but relatively heavy work to then lift it all off of the area so that it isn't forming a thatch that will then encourage more goldenrod next year I want uh, I want to shift the balance of the species anyway I just heard a thing on the radio as I was driving to the farm about work and the future of work and it had some guy voicing an opinion that you know don't we have enough uh, bounty in the world that we can all just live off of, uh, you know, just pay everyone in society and then we can all, you know, do, have more leisure. And and, and I, I both agree with that idea, uh, but I also think he's missing something profound. He was speaking of wanting to do away with the Puritan work ethic and spoke rather scornfully of the idea that, you know, work, we used to see work as something that would build character in yourself. And he spoke as though that didn't matter and, and was no longer applicable. But I actually think that, um, I actually think that that's that that's not um, a helpful way to think about work. I think there are many people who do work that they don't love, and there are many people who find themselves in work that is damaging to their body, damaging to their relationships damaging to their life in general and not healthy for their mind but that does not seem to me the end of the story because I know that for me work is a necessary part of a, of a fulfilled life a life that feels like I'm doing good things not least of which because much of the work that I do feels necessary. It feels like I am making the world better by doing it. Sometimes in a physical way, like the work I was just doing now. Sometimes in a uh, community sort of way with some of the other work that I do. And, and to say that Puritan work ethic is solely about making people into cogs in a machine. It seems like it misses. It's not just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It actually misses the entire point of what work should be, could be. In that it, it is ideally something that makes you happy and fulfilled and 
glad about life and brings balance to your life. I don't know about you, but if I have too many days of pleasure, whatever, whatever that might be, I end up champing at the bit to get back to work. And, and if you're not, it's probably because you dread your work. And so that's a sign that, well, work is not what it should be, but that's not a sign that work itself is bad. That's a sign that you need to do something about that situation. I also found it ironic that this guy who clearly uh, spent his life writing books and thinking about this idea and perhaps teaching about it had found work that was meaningful to him. It just happened to be Well, I don't know, I don't want to analyze if it's hypocritical or not, but it seemed deeply ironic that he had made a work life for himself that seemed to be meaningful and made him happy out of talking about how work was so bad as an idea. And I think this is where I have a problem with people saying, find your passion trying to decide what the thing is that they're going to do because I think one of the most helpful things that's ever happened to me was when I was a teenager I had a bunch of experiences where basically the culture reinforced and rewarded me for being a hard worker and what that meant wasn't that I was then more likely to go on and become exploited by some system. What that meant was that it made me realize that it didn't really matter what I did with my life so long as I brought that hard work part of myself to the situation that I was going to end up bringing my passion for life to my work, bringing the qualities in me that define me as a, as a person, I bring them to my work, whatever it happens to be. And some work I find more satisfying than other work. Over the years it's changed, I've tried a bunch of things, some stuff is stuck. Sometimes I'll do something, it'll work financially, but it won't work emotionally, it won't work uh, mentally as something that I actually want to do. But it's not that I have decided what I want and then, and then move heaven and earth to make that be the thing. It is that learning how to be a hard worker, learning how to take satisfaction in doing hard things, learning how to feel good about the hard work that I just did allowed me to be flexible in what I actually spend my time doing. Now I'll say a couple things. I think temperamentally some people definitely prefer to work for somebody and some people prefer not to. My wife and I are opposite on this. She wants to have a boss. She wants to be part of a community. She wants to be part of a system. She wants to be part of a 
arrangement where she gets feedback and where people tell her that she's a meaningful and important and valued part of that team. And I've had that and I liked it when it was good and I hated it when it was bad. And I came to the conclusion that that I much prefer to just make all the choices for myself. And that means that I forego having someone tell me I'm a meaningful part of the team. I could build a team and then be the one creating that culture and that certainly appeals to me in some ways, although not in others, namely in the, the responsibility of it. But I think if you feel like well, like, if you feel like you don't like the work that you do, or, or you're doing something that you thought you would like, but you, you find that you're not actually enjoying it, it might feel entirely differently if you were doing it for yourself. This is why people so often, I think, love hobbies, is that you're doing it for yourself. And when people are scared of making their hobby a profession, it's because I think they feel like they're going to give up that feeling of making your own choices. And you can certainly set up an um, independent work or business where you feel like you're not making choices for yourself anymore. But you can set it up so that you are. And if you're not the sort of person who wants to try doing something for yourself, you can change your career and change your career and change your role within your career and assume responsibility for things without people necessarily asking it of you. And see if you can find a shift in your sense of why you're doing what you're doing. Instead of it being just for a paycheck, you're doing what you're doing because you're damn good at it. You're doing what you're doing because it's a stepping stone to the next thing. Ambition, in this respect, is a good thing. It's what brings meaning to your experience of your life and your path through it. And frankly, I can't think of anything worse for people's mental health than to have a life where they give up on the idea of doing meaningful work and where they feel like they're just going to try and spend their time as pleasantly as possible. That sounds like a life where you end up flattening out the valleys and the, and the peaks and you have just the dial tone of a life. And I don't want that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk tomorrow. <clears throat> Morning, everyone. Uh, 
my new studio build is causing some confusion among people who are wondering why I'm building it. And uh, so I thought I'd take the time to articulate here um, what it is that I'm building and, and why I'm building it so that uh, hopefully I can point people to this episode who want a more in-depth discussion than I can type out with my thumbs. So, one of the directions I can feel my work and my desire to work with wood moving in is in making sculpture. And, um, and I see that desire and those ideas that are coming to me as as forming a distinct career path that is separate from my spoon carving business. That is to say, the people who are going to want a large, expensive uh, sculpture that took me a long time to make are, are not the same people necessarily who want uh, a wooden spoon. Now, they might be the same people, and I'm not ruling that out, but um, it is the... As far as I can tell, the, the way to establish a career as an artist is uh, at the level I want to, is, is through galleries, which means that I need to be doing work that a gallerist would be interested in, and, and frankly that coincides with the sort of work that I am interested in doing, which is um, pretty large scale and informed by what I have learned about working wood with uh, with making spoons and in, and certainly using some of the skills I have with using an axe etc but um, and and using what I know about wood and how it behaves but um, but not tethered to those processes now at the same time the my shop, is a well-oiled machine in how it functions, and I use almost every square inch of it over the course of a given week filling orders, and I don't intend for that to change. This vision of expressing myself uh, artistically is, is a long, long-term vision. It's something I want to start doing, but it is not a, an abrupt shift. It is instead something I intend to spend about 10% of my time going forward doing. It's something that I've thought about for years, and what I found was that even when I, um, even when I did pursue it, you can look up the hashtag useless, hashtag useless spoons uh, to see sort of where this idea process took me. But even when I was pursuing it, it was hampered by the fact that I didn't have a dedicated space to um, a dedicated space for this part of my life, and so the work that I did was never in a place where it 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 could be where it could be inspiring me and informing how I was thinking about the next thing I wanted to do, and so it became difficult to prioritize spending time doing it because it felt like stuff was just kind of piling up in corners. I'm a big believer in life that 
when we create the space for a thing, that thing happens. Imagine uh, wanting to cook all your meals, right? But you have some tiny half-assed kitchen in a city apartment that's really designed to, you know, wash up your coffee cup and then, you know, and your utensils after eating takeout food. Well, it's really hard to cook the sort of meals that I might envision cooking there. And the thing that needs to happen, honestly, to make it easy is to make the space either by getting a new place with a larger kitchen or by making a larger kitchen or somehow expanding the workspace of your kitchen to make a space that is dedicated and designed for the activity that you want to prioritize. Same instance here. I don't have a space that is just for this practice and therefore the practice suffers. Part of what I realized was that if I wanted to work on a larger scale, I literally had no place where I could store things out of the weather. Um, you know, if I worked on a, a handful of large pieces, there was nowhere in our home or in my shop where I could put these things that, where they wouldn't feel under, underfoot. And furthermore, there was certainly no place where they could be in, surrounded by the kind of space that you would normally see a piece of art surrounded by. Even if it's in your home, we often create space around art, um, whether by putting it on a mantelpiece or on a, on a bookshelf, you know, with a little space around it. And, and especially the sort of larger scale pieces that I have in mind, there's, there is no place where I can have them live in my home, nor is the point to have them live in my home. I want them to go live in other people's homes. Um, and so I decided to build a space and the space is not for me to work in. It is literally just to put pieces into when I'm not working on them and to create a space where I can photograph them in a pleasing way that will draw the eye of a gallerist at some point in the future. So to that, with that in mind, what I'm looking for is a space where I can easily photograph straight across into it, and also where the light is never, where I can control the amount of light and the direction it's coming from, such that it's not um, sort of the sort of stark, harsh light that I sometimes have in my shop. So that has all informed the, the design of this, what I'm calling the studio, except it's not, studio is a misnomer because I don't intend to work in there. It's a studio because it has to do with my art practice um, and not with my craft. And so it has the, one of the long walls is entirely composed of doors. So all of them will open, you know, they basically you can open the entire wall and take a photo looking straight in um, with only a few diagonal pieces to um, to snag your eye. And aside from a little bit of greenhouse plastic around the top edge, the, the illumination will come from a clear plastic roof, corrugated roofing, that will form one giant skylight. And 
And what that means is that the lighting from above like that, that is not, it's the way the roof is angled, it won't, it won't be light pouring straight down in. It will be sort of northeast facing sloping roof. So that means that the light will be as conducive as I can possibly make it to good photography. Um, no matter what the light conditions are outside. And that's the idea, is to make it easy to take good photographs of my work so that I can build up a body of images that will um, that will intrigue gallerists, frankly. Um, so when I realized that that's what I needed, I then thought to myself, well, okay, I'll build that in the spring, you know, next, or I'm a little busy right now, I'll, I'll plan to build it in the spring. And then I thought to myself, you know, that'll set me back almost a year because frankly, the time I have in the year that is the sort of the most open and free feeling is January, February, March, April, to some extent, May. But if I build it in April or May, by the time we get to June, we're traveling, we're you know, all the things that happen with nice weather and visiting people more. And um, and even though I don't intend to uh, spend additional time doing this, again, it's supposed to be 10% of my work week and therefore not actually increasing the amount of time I'm working each week. Uh, just I just work less in the summer. There's more conflicts with my work time and so I work less and so if I were to wait until I could build this thing in the spring I would essentially miss a whole year's worth of the prime time to to do it so then I thought okay well so I should build this thing now before my Christmas tree season starts and frankly now before I get even close to the Christmas tree season because everything starts to sort of crunch up on itself as I get into October and I'm frantically trying to put the gardens to bed and do all this stuff to ramp up for the Christmas tree season. So it went from being something that where I thought, oh, okay, this is the logical next move to thinking, oh, well, I should do this right now. And frankly, the idea is to get the biggest bang for my buck both in terms of money and in terms of time spent. So if the goal is to have a physical enclosed space that photographs well, that can house the product of this portion of my time, but is not a space I need to work in, well, what is the design, given the constraints of where I want it to be and the, the space constraints of being able to build a shed without electricity, without a, a building permit, which around here is 120 square feet. What are the constraints within that and the slope that I want to build it on up the hillside? How can I make a, a structure that does what I want it to do for the least amount of money and time to construct it? So that's what I'm doing. And I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be it feels like sort of the next chapter in my career. And it definitely feels like the sort of situation where making the space makes the space in my life for this thing to exist. Um, 
and without the space, no matter how much time I dedicate to it, without a space for the, because I make physical objects, without a space for the physical objects to exist in, um, I'm going to hit a bottleneck of lack of space, and then the energy is going to stagnate. So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing, and it, and it is not an augmentation of my shop. It's not a replacement of my shop. It is a great opportunity to take the lessons I learned from building my shop and do things a little bit better this time. Um, some construction details. Uh, a couple examples would be I learned that it's just a lot easier to how to describe it to um, double up the the joists but also the studs where two sheets of plywood that form the sheathing come together so that each piece of plywood has its own stud to come up against which just makes um, it just makes the process of putting these things together so much easier and then I'm also planning to put battens over each of the seams of where the plywood comes together, um, which I think will look really nice. The, the large doors, because I don't want them to be um, transparent with greenhouse plastic, they're, they're, the large doors are literally going to be, you know, four by eight sheets of plywood stood up on end. They're eight feet tall. And I'm going to back them with a two by four frame to keep them from warping to some extent. Um, but yeah, some really interesting chances to design things a little bit better um, than I did with my shop or take the lessons I learned from my shop and put it into the next structure. Uh, I, I'm hoping that the cost of this thing will come in under $1,000, uh, which I can float in terms of operating expense with what I have in the account. And um, yeah, and and trying to get, uh, trying to achieve those goals of having the space and having it photograph well, uh, without having it consume my life for months to build this thing, and without having it uh, sort of cost more than it's worth to me at this moment in time. I figure if in five or ten years uh, it's taken off and I need a larger space, or I, you know, this space is starting to degrade, great. You know, if, if it lasts five years and it costs a thousand bucks, that's 200 bucks a year to have this space. And I suspect strongly that if I stick with it, then it will be worth a hell of a lot more to me than that. So that's the deal with the new shed build. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, if you guys have any further questions about it, please feel free to, um, to ask because, um, yeah. I love talking about this stuff. I, I would not want to do it for a living for someone else. I know enough about building for other people because I did a little bit of that where I know that the, the ways in which I'm definitely not a perfectionist um, don't serve me when I'm doing work for other people. But when I'm doing work for myself, boy, it works great because uh, I don't let myself get slowed down by little little things. You know, if I'm a if I'm a smidge out of alignment here or there, it just in the end it just doesn't matter to me. 
Um, it's about that bang for buck proposition. All right, talk tomorrow.